Hi, I'm Christina with What Lights Us Up, a show where I interview various creators such as myself who have found themselves creating something that literally lit them up. Together we talk through their inspiration, their creation process, and ultimately how that creation has changed their life. So let's get started and prepare to be inspired. Get ready for this next conversation. It's between myself and Carolyn Siegel, who is a founder and creator of a nonprofit organization called If You Heard What I Heard. The organization features filmed interviews of stories from grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. She talks about what fueled her to start her organization and how it's really lit her up. So please join me as we talk about building community through our passion projects and how to overcome challenges. Let's get started. As you listen to the following conversation, you're going to be so inspired to start your next project. I know I was looking for help and I went to Fiverr to hire a freelancer to help me with some music for the intro for this podcast. So if you're looking for some help with your next passion project, click the link in the show notes to visit Fiverr and find a freelancer to help you today. Now let's get started with this conversation. Carolyn, it's an honor to have you on the show today. As someone who has known you, what does it have been like 23 years? Yes. I think so, right? It's been incredibly inspiring to see you find your calling, what I would call your calling, in recent years through the work that you've done with If You Heard What I Heard. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and its purpose? Yeah. Well, first, thank you so much for having me today. It's really, it's an honor to be here. You know, as you mentioned, as we've been friends for 23 years. So yeah, it is really meaningful to be here with you today. So yeah, I started a nonprofit called If You Heard What I Heard, where I'm filming the stories of grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. Grandchildren of Holocaust survivors are known as 3Gs, and we are the last generation to ever hear Holocaust survivor stories firsthand. So what fueled this work and what really started this off for me, I'm the grandchild of two Holocaust survivors. And in May of 2020, noticed a very sharp rise of anti-Semitism. My grandfather always used to say that The only way you can keep the Holocaust from happening again is to pay attention to warning signs. And one of those warning signs is a rise of anti-Semitism. So then fast forward to 2020 and seeing that rise of anti-Semitism, I was reminded about the warning sign that my grandfather said, you know, that we all have to pay attention to. So in seeing that, I said, well, what are the tools that exist for today so that we don't forget about the Holocaust? You know, you hear Holocaust survivors say how important it is that the world never forget. You hear that phrase a lot, never forget. Well, what does that look like for today? And I thought about the tools that exist and, you know, is somebody going to sit down and watch an interview that was filmed 25 years ago of an 80-something-year-old at the time speaking for two-plus hours in a very thick accent? That footage is amazing and thank God it exists, but is it relatable? Is it the way in? Is it a way that we create awareness and make sure the world doesn't forget? So I thought about that and I said, well, if you could hear the story from someone like me, Maybe we could really make sure that the world never forgets about what happened during the Holocaust. Studies have actually shown that those with Holocaust education are more likely to stand up against bullying and more likely to have empathy and tolerance for all groups. And so thinking about that combined with, you know, how do we make these stories more relatable for today? Because my kids will not get to hear the stories firsthand from my grandparents like I did. I mean, I heard these stories over the course of decades of my life. You know, by the time I have kids, my grandparents have been gone now, you know, for well over 10 years, you know, my kids will never get to hear those stories. So how do we keep it alive? So again, the thinking is if you could hear the story from someone like me, and you can maybe see a clip of it on social media, and you can maybe, you know, hear the story in 30 minutes as opposed to two plus hours, Mm -hmm. that we could really keep these stories alive. 
So yeah, I don't have a background in film or editing. And it was, you know, the idea of filming these stories was very daunting to me. But it it comes back to really the name of if you heard what I heard. If you heard what I heard, you would never forget. If you heard what I heard, you would keep these stories alive. If you heard what I heard, you would do everything possible to make sure that what happened way back when, you know, during the Holocaust never happens again. So thinking about that and and being really scared, honestly, about not having the technical background to do this. So for me, you know, telling these stories, the need to tell these stories initially was just so much more important than the how. I don't have the film background. How am I going to do this? Who who can help me do this? So as soon as I came up with the idea to pursue this, I reached out to Zach Unterman, who is a producer in the film industry. He's a very good friend of mine. And I said, listen, I have this idea to film grandchildren of Holocaust survivors to make the stories of the Holocaust more relatable for today. He said, great. Have you thought about how you're going to do it? I don't know. Do you think I could find a filmmaker to help me do this? And he was like, yeah, do you have a budget? No. <laughs> so, I mean, Zach was very supportive from the beginning. And he said, listen, you don't really need anything. Just take your iPhone and do it and see see what happens. And I put up a Facebook post and, and I said, who do I know that's the grandchild of Holocaust survivors? And I grew up here in Los Angeles. You know, I grew up with a lot of kids who who were also grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. And within 24 hours, I had 12 responses of grandchildren of Holocaust survivors saying like, I'm a grandchild, I'm a grandchild. And and I reached out, you know, to those in my network and I explained what I was trying to do. And immediately, you know, the feedback that I got was wonderful and great. And like, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I want to tell my grandparents' stories. I think for all of us who are grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, it has been drilled into us from the time that we were little that the world cannot forget that this happened. So I think a lot of us, I know at least the majority of the interviewees in If You Heard What I Heard, feel this way that it is our responsibility to carry these stories forward and to make sure the world never forgets. So with that, you know, there's this sense of obligation. Of course, I'm going to share this story. The ask is usually not that hard when I go to grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. We have a very extensive wait list of grandchildren who want to share their story. We just don't have the resources yet. Hopefully that'll change soon. But yeah, so when I started working on this, I mean, again, no film background, no editing background, really no help other than thankfully from my friends and those in my network who, you know, were very supportive of this. Christina, you've been very supportive of this from the beginning, from the second that I said I was going to do this. You were behind it 100%. Watching you sort of light up and find your purpose in, like you said, relating to others, relating back to your culture. You've always been very dedicated and interested in your heritage, where you came from, your family heritage. You're very involved with the Jewish community, and it's a way to relate your upbringing with your passion and really bring it forward with creating this, what I would call community. You're connecting with others. You're connecting with so many people beyond your immediate circle, your immediate family and friends on a common ground of really telling their stories. And how do you feel, what sort of difference do you feel you made in the challenges that you saw that really fueled the start of this organization? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because as you and I were even talking about doing this podcast and talking about, you know, what lights me up, you know, with this work. And I know we'll get to that. But, you know, the purpose behind doing this work isn't necessarily what lights me up. 
the the fuel behind this really came from this frustration of seeing a rise of anti-Semitism and wanting to do something about it. You know, so that's the passion behind this, I think, is really just wanting to make good on the promise to my grandfather of making sure the world will never forget. When I was eight years old and heard his story for the first time about what, you know, what his parents went through and what he went through and how he survived. At the end of that conversation, I mean, I had never seen my grandfather in tears or upset or anything like that. I wanted to make it better for him. I wanted to take the pain away, which you you can't do when somebody has lost their parents, their siblings, their nephew in a way that is so brutal and happened at that point for him 50 years prior. How do you make that better? And at the end of our conversation, he said, you know, it's it's going to be the job of your generation to make sure the world never forgets. And I didn't understand at the time what that meant because Steven Spielberg was doing the Shoah Foundation. So I'm like, nobody's going to forget. And I actually remember saying to him, Papa, don't worry, nobody's going to forget. And then 30 years after that, here we are and the world is starting to forget. So the fuel and the passion behind doing this work really comes from like, if you're not going to hear the story from a Holocaust survivor, which we know the Holocaust survivor generation is sadly dying out, you will absolutely be hearing the story from me because I am so passionate now in a way that I've never been before about making sure the world never forgets. So I am really grateful to all of the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors who have stepped up to be a part of this work. I am so inspired by them. I'm blown away by by their stories and their dedication and their passion for sharing, you know, and making sure really that the world never forgets. This is an incredible community. And I can say without a doubt that every person I've interviewed, we now have 40 interviews on the site, which is incredible. Every single one of these interviewees, they're all inherently just like good people. That's amazing. It's it's really about the community, right? And you sort of, when you're really passionate and you create something, I found that when I created the cookbook, I created this community I didn't even know I had. You know, I had friends that helped me. Like you said, you have a lot of people helping you create this and create an experience and a project that you want to create. But you also have a lot of people that are relating to the stories that you're telling because they either have a personal experience, they want to share their story, they want to get it out in the world. And that makes it very relatable for people. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of personal, you know, for anyone out there that's sort of hearing this conversation and they feel similar to how you felt in the beginning where they're so challenged or frustrated with something that's going on in the social norm of what's happening in today's culture and they want to make a difference and do something about it, what would you recommend for them to do? And I would also relate back to, we all have challenges about putting something out there in the world and being scared to share it and feeling like sort of imposter syndrome. You mentioned you don't come from this background. It's really important, I think, to get our message out to anyone listening that they may want to do it too, but they're thinking, oh, I don't come from this background. I don't know where to start. Yeah. I mean, I still feel like I have imposter syndrome a little bit, but I hit a lot of challenges. I still continue to hit challenges in this work, but the purpose behind it and why I'm doing it is never lost on me. And when I first started doing this work, I did five test round interviews to just sort of say like, are these stories different enough from each other? Are they interesting? Are people going to care? I care about it, but are other people going to care? Because that's really how we're going to achieve our mission of making sure the world never forgets. When I did the first five interviews, it became very obvious that these stories needed to be told. Because the way the interviews are structured is that the first part of the interview is tell me what your grandparent went through. 
And the second part of the interview is tell me about your experience with it today. How does it impact how you raise your kids, how you look at your faith, how you, you know, relate to others, you know, what's important for all of us to take forward for the future. We also focus a lot on resilience. You know, the interviewees talk a lot about resilience. And I think that's one of the things that makes this Holocaust project so different from a lot of other work that's been done in this space. Hearing stories about the Holocaust is really hard. And it's very emotional to hear that this is what my people went through not even a 100 years ago. So, you know, for me, I think that my saving grace in this has been the resilience. And it's honestly through every challenge I faced in building this organization and every no that I've gotten or every, you know, organization that has said, you know, our missions are not aligned or we can't work with you. That's really hard. It's really hard to hear no. And you just have to keep going. And it can really get to you. I remember I met with three or four different filmmakers at one point, you know, early on because I had that imposter syndrome of, I don't know what I'm doing. And these, these stories are really important and someone has to help me with this because I just don't have the technical expertise. I had one filmmaker tell me, he said, unless you're going to go to film school, don't even bother. I had another filmmaker tell me, this project has no foundation to stand on. Don't even pursue it. What's the point? I had a producer recently say to me, this producer clearly had not watched any of our interviews. And he said, but they're all stories of Jews from Poland that were all sent to Auschwitz, right? The stories aren't different enough from each other. And I was shell-shocked when he said that to me because the stories are completely different from each other. And we do have a lot of interviewees that are grandparents or from the same villages or towns and maybe had some similar experiences, but the stories are all completely different from each other. And even in those stories, how those grandparents picked up and rebuilt their lives is completely different and so unique. And we have stories from Amsterdam and from Greece, and they're not all Jews from Poland who were all sent to Auschwitz. They are stories of Jews whose people like you and me, not even forget the fact that they were Jewish. These were people like you and me who had their lives completely upended for no other reason than they were Jewish. They were people with lives and families and jobs and friends, and it all got taken away from them in two seconds in the blink of an eye. And they were, yeah, some of them were sent to camps and some of them were in lines for gas chambers and some of them were sent immediately to forced labor and some of them were in hiding in ditches for a year and a half. So yeah, the stories are harrowing and they're really different from each other. And hearing how these survivors just like picked up and rebuilt and got on with their lives and built beautiful lives after it. The fact that I am sitting here today is a miracle. The fact that I am sitting here today talking to you I wouldn't exist if it weren't for the Holocaust because my grandparents met in a displaced persons camp afterwards. But the fact that they had the fortitude to pick up and move on and keep going is amazing. It's why I do this. And so every no that I got and that I continue to get and every door slammed in my face, just that fuels me even more to keep going. Because I'm like, oh no, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how great this is. I'm going to show you how and why it's so important to listen to these stories. I'm going to show you how powerful this community is to listen to these grandchildren of Holocaust survivors who are all miracles and proof of their resilience. And that's so important because I feel like a few things you said, we can all easily have those messages that we say to ourselves in our head. We don't even need someone outside of ourselves to say, you can't do this. You don't have that experience. We're easily doing that to ourselves. You know, we have to find motivation, like you said, but the fuel of just, and I, I can relate to that when someone says, you can't do that. You don't have the ability to do that. Yes, I'm going to prove you wrong. I am going to do it. It's almost like that kick. Yeah. 
It's a really strong motivator. That for me, coupled with the fact that, you know, when I started doing this, I really didn't know if I could do it. Even when I was doing these five test round interviews, can I do this? And I really hit this point where it wasn't my voice saying you can do it. It was like my ancestors. You know, it was like the family that was lost was like, you got to do it. Keep going. You can do it. And I always tell my interviewees the three things that I care about more than anything. One, that they're happy with how they told the story, that they feel like they've done the story justice. Two, that the family that was lost is not forgotten, that we say their names and that we remember them. And three, that that the survivors who are out there and even the ones who are not with us are looking down and, and proud of us and know that like, if I could say anything to my grandfather right now, I would say, Papa, don't worry. I got it. We got it. I'm going to make sure the world will never forget. Like we got it. That's so special. Thank you for sharing that. And it's, you know, I think about that with my cookbook, you know, I dedicated it to my grandmother. Same thing. We think about, you know, them looking down and saying so proud of us creating these things. And I don't think you or I ever imagined creating something to this extent. And here we are talking and having a conversation about creating these projects out of what lights us up and following what lights us up. Yeah. Yeah. So important and so impactful. Right. And how many people that we've touched and helped because of that. Yeah. it, it, It is pretty amazing when I get a text message from an interviewee that says, I just watched my interview. It's amazing. Or, you you know, this is really powerful or this is really impactful. Or I hear from a teacher who's used our work in the classroom and they've said, my students really related to this. That's very rewarding and honestly means more to me than anything. You know, to know that these stories are continuing and that they're resonating, that means a lot. And it keeps you going probably. It really, really does. And I think also there's Listen, starting any business is hard, especially a nonprofit. And I think, you know, to sort of answer the question around like what lights me up about this work, it is the storytelling, but it's also, it's exciting to build. It's exciting to build something from nothing and see it really like take life and take shape. And and in a lot of ways, it's your baby. You're raising this thing from nothing and, and seeing it grow is probably one of the most rewarding things. So that's what lights me up, really. Absolutely. And what challenges have you faced creating a non-for-profit organization? Because it is a different beast, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I work in marketing in my everyday normal life. So I'm used to watching founders on the founder journey, building something from scratch and helping them figure that out from a marketing perspective. It's really different to be on the other side of it. And there are a lot of challenges that come with running any business, but particularly a nonprofit. You know, when you're starting a business from scratch, you might have a board of directors But you're really accountable to yourself. When you're starting a nonprofit, and especially this nonprofit, because I'm responsible for all of the stories that are on our website, you know, I'm accountable to all of those interviewees who have shared those stories with me. And the nonprofit is accountable to that. And you're building this business that is accountable to, right off the bat, accountable to the state and to the federal government. And so there are a lot of challenges that come along with really needing to make sure that things are buttoned up in a way that you might not need to worry about if you're just starting something on your own that's a for-profit. You know, the nonprofit space does come with a huge set of challenges, and, and a lot of it is because of that accountability that's required. But it's also so rewarding to be able to put something out and say, just come join our cause, come join our mission. It's interesting. I have this conversation a lot and I'm terrible at asking people for money. I'm really bad at it. But one of the things that I really love most is just sharing this work and saying, hey, come check out our website. Come to ifyouheardwhatiheard.com. Check out our website. 
spend 30 minutes watching one interview. And then if you want to support us, you'll support us. But just come be a part of our community and learn so that you can share these stories. You know, there's a quote by Ellie Wiesel, those who listen to a witness become a witness. And I really want everyone who's coming to our site and watching our stories to become our witness so that these stories don't die. It's one thing for me to share it, but I want everyone else to be able to share it too. Absolutely. And what has been your favorite highlight of this entire experience? I know you were able to ring the bell on the NASDAQ. That's amazing. Just watching that, <laughs> I was wondering, how do you, how does one even get to do that? It's so interesting because there have been so many opportunities that have come our way and my way through doing this work. And I really feel like it, it's not just me doing this. I am the vessel making this happen, but it's not because of me. There is a higher power. There is something looking out for this work, making these opportunities come our way. A lot of it is luck. And it's so interesting because I tie it back to the interviews that I do too. And you hear that a lot with, I always ask the interviewees, what was it that made it possible for your grandparent to survive? And nine times out of 10, they say luck. And so like you could look at the opportunities that have come our way with, if you heard what I heard and say a lot of it is luck, but I mean, it is, it's luck and it's, it is this higher power. And I think a lot of it is also, I have a really amazing community around me and people who are very passionate and dedicated to seeing this be successful. You know, I have a great board of directors, an amazing advisory group. Our advisors are incredible. They're so passionate about seeing it continue and, and move forward. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not just me on so many levels. You know, it is this higher power. It is the community around me. It is our board of directors. It is our advisors. It is the people in the community that believed in this from nothing. And I know we've talked about sort of like those challenges, but I think it's also important to talk about the people who lift you up. You are one of those people who have lifted me up at the start of all of this. You're one of my best friends and you've been there from the beginning and you've seen and heard the challenges and the pitfalls and also the really amazing moments too. And Rabbi Susan Nanis at Wilshire Boulevard Temple is one of those people who took a chance on us when we were nothing. She made, if you heard what I heard, the centerpiece of the Yom HaShoah ceremony at Wilshire Boulevard very early on. You know, we have Rabbi Eris Sherman and Rabbi Nicole Guzik at Sinai Temple from the beginning before we were anything said, let's do a program with you. Yeah, it's a lot of luck and it's a lot of just having good people around you who believe in what you're doing. And do you feel as you take a step towards doing something, do you feel it's sort of like a sign? Sometimes, you know, I see that too, where you get a sign that says, okay, maybe I'm on the right path. Maybe there's a reason that I should be doing this. And it just sort of helps you along the way, yeah. you know, I find. And I think that's, and it's also important. I've always personally felt bad asking people for help. You've talked a lot about, about the amount of people that have helped you. Yeah. For sure. And it's, you always feel bad, but I think everyone in our community and in our life want to help us achieve the things we want to achieve and also create a community. Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's really what we're all trying to do is be a part of a community. Right. And Absolutely. relate to each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for coming. And let's tell everybody how they can find you, where they yeah. can look you up. Thank you. Yeah. So please visit if you heard what I heard.com and please follow us at if you heard what I heard on Instagram. Wonderful. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. 
That conversation was so vibrational. I hope it's left you inspired to go create something out there in the world. So thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share with your friends. If you know someone who would be great to feature on a future episode, share their details by visiting the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hope to see you back again.